Thank you, Brother Vaughn, very, very much. Thank you for this. Stand for the reading of the scriptures this morning, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 this morning. appreciate Brother Denny asking us to pray for no rain. And uh, I get asked sometimes, they say, what, is there a Bible verse for that? There is. In Zechariah 10, 1, it says, ask ye of the Lord for rain in the time of latter rain. Not early rain. We need latter rain. Amen? So you pray with us for the Lord to hold back the rain so we can get the the roofing up and uh, stay right on progress there for this new building. We want to welcome you today to Heritage Baptist Church as a new returning visitor. We're glad that you're here today and uh, ask that you just let the Lord work in your heart as we continue our series on I Believe Him. Actually kind of deviating a little bit here, and I started on looking at the life of Joshua last week. And we're going to just kind of do a study through Joshua on, on, this, on the subject of the, of the secrets for success. And I hope you'll be here for this series. And we're praying the Lord will do a great work in our heart. Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. Follow me for the reading of the Word of God this morning. Joshua 1, beginning with verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I sent unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, (coughs) the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be thou very strong, be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, and turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. This morning, in these nine verses, we read probably some of the most encouraging verses of Scripture to help you and I to go forward in the challenges of life. And I'll call your attention to some key words that I think should be very meaningful for all of us. Notice in verse 7, he talks about prospering and whithersoever you go. Notice in verse 8, He talks again about making our way prosperous. And then notice two words that are used in verse 8 that are only used in this one verse in the Bible. It talks about good success. And I want to encourage you this morning. God is interested in you and I having good success and prospering in our way. But not as the TV evangelists and radio preachers talk about where if you do this and God will do this for you. But in the context of Joshua 1, God gives us a recipe for success. And this morning we want to look at that recipe and see how God can help you and I 
to accept the very challenges we receive in life, sometimes unexpected challenges, sometimes unwanted challenges, sometimes challenges way over our head, and realize that through those challenges, God can make you and me to be someone who can experience good success. Now, Father, today we're thankful for this assembly of people who've come here to Heritage Baptist Church, the majority of which, of course, are members of the church, who, Lord, have found that this is the place where they've gotten their roots very deep in the, in the church and are growing their families here. And more importantly, they've placed their faith and trust in your son, Jesus Christ, as their personal savior. And as such, have taken that step of, Lord, knowing that Christ is their savior and they know they're going to heaven. And, uh, Lord, they realize as children of God, they want to live for you and honor you. And, and then others, Lord, who are growing in that process and others who are just asking you to show them what is the right thing to do. And today, Lord, we, as we assemble here, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom and understanding and enlightenment about your word. As we look at this passage and what has been described as the recipe for success. And so this morning, as we look at the life of Joshua, inspire us, give us instruction, uh, give us encouragement, uh, give us the steps to take. Help us, Lord, that we'd see where maybe for many of us in this room, we're facing uh, very big challenges. We'd see what that recipe for success is, that we would find your path and we would do your will and that you'd be glorified. We pray this morning for those who do not know your son, Jesus Christ, as Savior. They've never exercised that faith in calling on Christ to save them. Today, we pray that there be a, a just a, a, a very compelling desire in their heart to call on the Lord to be saved today here and in our other services. Help this morning that your word would be made clear. Take this wonderful passage that many of us have read many times and just, Lord, help us to wrap our arms around it and embrace it as something that will encourage us in the walk of faith. And we'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All of us recognize that when we are involved in culinary matters and cooking, it's important to have a good recipe. I, I get a, I kind of like to listen to our ladies of our church when someone, when a lady brings something that's very delicious and all the ladies kind of gather around that one lady and ask for the recipe. They want to know exactly what did you put in that and how much of whatever it was that went in there. And, and then they go out shopping and buy those things. I remember just a couple years ago, a, a lady, we had an occasion and a lady uh, made this special gelatin and it was, uh, it held very well and was very good. And my wife went and asked her about what she used. And she went and bought all the ingredients and bought the gelatin mold and all those kinds of things. And we realized it just wasn't something you could buy at a particular store. You had to get in a specific place. And, and uh, my wife did it the first time and followed exactly the instructions for the recipe. And lo and behold, it came out better than the lady did. I praise the Lord for that. Amen. And uh, that's kind of a good. I have to say that because my wife is here. Amen. You know, but that's the truth. The truth. Amen. It's the truth. It's the truth. Okay. It was. And uh, and now my wife typically will when she brings a, a dessert, she'll make this gelatin that fits exactly there. And the mold holds very well. And it's a very delicious thing. It's a big event for it's a big thing for our family events and church events. And those are things and they're, they're important to us. And we know that recipes are important. This morning, I want you to see the recipe for success is defined by the life of Joshua. Everything in the book of Joshua is going to give us a recipe for success. I hope you don't miss any of the series and the lessons here. They're just intriguing things and important things that will help you to grow in your faith. And to just, in, and just to help you as, as, as we look at Joshua, he's a man that believed. He was a man of faith. He, he said, like others in the Bible, I believe in what the Lord's all about. Joshua's name means Jehovah is salvation. Joshua's name is the Old Testament equivalent of the name of Jesus. Both Joshua and Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. 
May I suggest to you this morning and recommend to you today that the starting point of the Christian life begins with Jesus Christ today. And as we look at Joshua this morning, we're going to see how Joshua plays a very important role in the lives of millions of people. Everything that happened that was good for that nation revolved around the leadership of this man by the name of Joshua. We're going to see so many wonderful things about this man. As we study Joshua's life, we're going to see how his life teaches us how to have faith in God's plan for your life. Let me help you this morning as a child of God. God has a plan for your life. And not just a plan. It's the best plan. It's a wonderful plan. It's a plan if you stay right in it, you're going to just say, wow, no wonder the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighted in his way. As we study Joshua, we're going to learn that his life teaches us how to have faith in our praying. His life will teach us how to make a rebound when we fail. His life will teach us how faith is the secret to victory. Joshua is a picture of success for us. And of course, this morning, I want to put this plug in here for you, that true biblical success is not in what you acquire as wealth, though that might be part of it, but true biblical success is doing the will of God. The will of God is God's best for your life and mine. The will of God is what will last forever. First John chapter two, verse 17 says, and the world passes away and the lusts are up. In other words, everything in the world, though it has some significance and importance, most things that go on in the world are fads. They pass away. They're temporary. I mean, how many of you remember the days of the, the old fashioned rotary dial telephones? How many remember those? Amen. And how, some of you may go back in time. You remember when people had to share telephones. Now today we're in the technology of cell phones and, and everybody has their own phone. I mean, we've come so far. In fact, I don't even know if children today even, even can conceive the con- or grasp the concept of those old rotary telephones. I mean, but things change. And, you know, we remember the first iPhone that came out. Now we're an iPhone 10. And uh, basically it's all marketing schemes to take advantage of you. Amen, you know. And, uh, and there'll be iPhone 11. There'll be iPhone 12 and whatever there. These are all fads. These are things that will pass away. The world passes away and the lusts are up. But notice what verse 17 says. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There's permanence. There's endurance. There's something that never changes. And I want to tell you today that as you kind of just take those steps of faith in the Christian life and realizing with fear and trepidation what God's will is for your life, please realize this today, that God's will is what endures forever. God's will is what is eternal for your life and mine. But today we're going to look at the life of Joshua as Joshua does the will of God. He teaches us, as we'll see in verse 8, a man who is successful and how to have Good success. Notice several things about Joshua in our, in our opening message this morning from the book of Joshua. First of all, would you notice his simple beginning? The Bible introduces us here, not necessarily Joshua 1, because we saw him introduced in Exodus 17 last week. But I want you to notice some things about the simple beginning of Joshua. Notice verse 1 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses minister. He had a simple beginning as we see. We know several things about this man as we look at his beginning. First of all, we see Joshua the son. His name is called Joshua. He has a father by the name of Nun. We don't know anything about his father except for one thing. We know that his father and Joshua were descendants of the tribe of Ephraim. 
Ephraim was one of two sons that Joseph had. Joseph was one of the sons of Jacob. Jacob's sons represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Ephraim's name means fruitfulness. And as we consider that, we think about the fact that this man is he coming from the tribe of Ephraim. They're a very strong tribe. They're a very, they're a very uh, thriving tribe. But something that stands out for me is that as we look at the life of Joshua, that Joshua's father, though very little is mentioned about him, Joshua's father had great influence on the life of his son. I reminded this morning about the Bible's recommendation for fathers. In 1 Thessalonians 2.11, he says, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Sometimes as fathers, we want to know, what is the job description that I should have? Or maybe as a mother, you're thinking, I wonder, what, 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 how, does my, how can my, my, my husband be a good father? And Paul describes it this way, as fathers, we are to exhort, we are to comfort, and we are to charge our sons. We are to inspire our sons to have a heart for God. We are to encourage our children early on to say as Solomon did to his son Rehoboam, My son, give me thy heart. I'm thankful today as we look at the life of Joshua. Joshua turned out to be an influential leader, perhaps because of those early days of his life, his father, Nun, inspired him to have a heart for God. And I just want to say this in passing. Fathers, have a heart for God and inspire your children to have a heart for God. Amen. Inspire your children to go beyond you and do more than you. Inspire your children to be in church, to read their Bibles, to pray, to walk with God, to live a Christian life, to be reputable, to be respectful, to honor God. Don't train your children to be like other children. Train your child to be somebody great for the glory of God. Amen. We see Joshua the son. But notice, secondly, we see Joshua the soldier. And we saw that last week. In his simple beginning, the first introduction we have to Joshua is that he's introduced us as a man about 40, 45 years of age as a soldier among the Israelites. He was a captain of the Lord's army. Listen, this morning as we look at him, we, we see a man who, who, uh, who, was ex, who had expertise in the matters of war and he had expertise in training other men and being good soldiers. It reminds me this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, that every Christian is a soldier in the army of God. The moment you got saved, God drafted you and drafted me and enlisted us to be involved in serving the Lord. We're in a spiritual war. We fight against the devil. We fight against our flesh. We fight against the world and they're fighting against us. And they're coming like Amalek from behind to attack us. But I remind you this morning, 2 Timothy 2, it says this, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen, in the Christian life, there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be trials. Sometimes you'll take one step forward, and then you wind up taking three steps back. There's going to be hardships. There'll be temptations. There'll be afflictions. There'll be sorrowing. There'll be heartache. There'll be disappointments. In spite of all those things, we're reminded as a good soldier, endure hardness. Realize that we may be in the foxhole, and we might be in the trenches, and we can hear the bullets whistling by, and we can hear the explosion of mortars. But in spite of all those things, We've got to endure hardness in the, in the walk of faith, in the warfare of life. The Bible says, No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. May I urge you this morning, brother and sister in Christ, be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Be active on duty. Be alert for the Lord's calling. Be ready.
ready to fight the devil. Be ready to put on the whole armor of God each and every day. Our loins girt with truth. The breastplate of righteousness upon us. Our feet shod with the gospel of peace. The helmet of salvation upon our head. On our left hand, the shield of faith to absorb and take the fiery darts of the wicked one. And in our right, right hand, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And binding each piece with prayer and supplication in the spirit. Listen, we are in a spiritual war. The devil's out to defeat you. The devil's out to take you down. The devil wants you to fail in the Christian life. But I want to tell you this morning, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, you can be a victor in Jesus Christ because of that armor of God. Thank God this morning we see Joshua the son. We see Joshua the soldier. But we also see Joshua who was a servant. Notice in verse 1 it says, he was the minister of Moses. Now please bear in mind, for 40 years now, Joshua has served as the assistant of Moses. Now, honestly, I believe that Joshua was a much better soldier than Moses. And I'll be honest with you, as I read through the book of Joshua, Joshua was equal to or perhaps surpassed Moses in his leadership. But whatever it may be, I'll tell you this. Joshua was content to be the servant of Moses. He was content to be the servant of the Lord. He was just content with the fact that in spite of the fact that he'd been with the same man for 40 years, he was content and being a servant for the Lord God. Exodus 24, 13 says, Moses rose up and his minister, Joshua. He had no problem being called Moses' assistant. He had no problem being called Moses' servant. In fact, he found delight in knowing so because people could understand his role, his place in terms of being a servant to the man of God. And I want to tell you today, as we consider service, a lot of the service ideas that persist today to encourage us to be, have a, be a servant who has a CEO mentality and to be a servant who's take charge and run over people. But I remind you this morning, biblical servanthood requires us to realize it's not many how many people that we that are serving us. Biblical servanthood is about how many people are we serving. And the Lord Jesus Christ said this in Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 27. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever be chief among you, let him be your servant. And I encourage you this morning, be a good servant of Jesus Christ. Be content wherever you're at. Just have a servant's heart. Be willing to step up and do things. I want to encourage many of you who are new this morning to our church or, or not really plugged in as a member. I want to encourage you that everything that's happened at Heritage Baptist Church for 19 years has been because of service. Because of people that have served. Because of volunteers who've gotten involved. For volunteers who've loved the Lord and have loved their work, I want to tell you today, the buildings that we have are, are the work of faith and the work of God, of love, of people serving. What goes on in our nurseries, the rehearsals that go on with the children's choirs, the rehearsals that go on with our choirs, those children would get picked up early in the morning on our buses and vans, the cleaning that goes on around the property. All of these things and much more are the result of volunteer service. People that feel like, I just want to serve the Lord. I don't mind being a servant. And what to God that we let go of the CEO mentality, perhaps that the world ingrains us with and we have an attitude. I just want to serve the Lord. Amen. And it's a joy to serve the Lord. It's one of the best expressions of worship when we serve God. And as we look at the life of Joshua, we see a man who was a son, a man who was a soldier and a man who was a servant. We see a simple beginning. But notice something else this morning. What you notice verse one and two, we not only see this man in his simple beginning, but notice in verses one and two, we see we see this man, Joshua, and his sorrowful bereavement. Forty years. He's been in the shadows of Moses. Moses has provided leadership. Moses is the man of God. I don't think at any one time Joshua ever coveted Moses' position. 
I don't think at any one time he ever compared himself with Moses. Well, I'm equal to him or better than him. Moses now is gone. Moses is dead. And as we'll see in a moment, Moses passed the scene. And now Joshua, his Joshua, who is the best friend of Moses and Joshua, who is the servant of Moses, perhaps nobody felt the hit and the sorrow more than Joshua did at that moment in time. He's grieving. He's filled with sorrow. He's filled with bereavement. Yes, he knew that Moses, that the Lord took Moses up to heaven. But he also recognized he's no longer here. His seat is, his seat is empty and he'll be missed. He's realizing my best friend and the man that I served for many years is gone. And did you notice some things here? It says, after the death of Moses. In verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. It was a time of bereavement as God comes to Joshua. Joshua is feeling the pressure now, the pressure of, the, of his best friend and his mentor having passed his life. And he's feeling the pressure in just a moment, we'll see, about being the successor to Moses. But we must pause and see some things that were pressing on the heart of Joshua about the, about the death of Moses. Notice Moses was monumental in everything he did. If you go back one chapter, go back over to the uh, one, one page back to the book of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy 34, it tells us something very important about, about Moses here. In Deuteronomy 34, the Bible, the Bible tells us some things that touch our heart about Moses. He was a very monumental man. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 34, there was no man like unto Moses. It says that he, notice in verse 7, Deuteronomy 34, verse 7, Moses was a hundred years, uh, was a hundred and twenty years old when he died, and his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. I mean, his vision was still 20-20, his strength was still strong. And the Bible says in verse 10, there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants, to all his land. I mean, here's this man, Moses, no one could come Compared to Moses, there arose not a prophet who could preach and prophesy like him. There was nobody who had leadership stature like him. There was no prophet that could compare to him. There was no one that did miracles and wonders, signs and wonders. The Bible says he was a monumental man. Hey, look at this right now. Moses is past the scene and Josh is looking at this saying, man, those are mighty big shoes for me to fill. There's no way under heaven I could match up to be like this man, Moses. Moses was monumental to the life of Israel and Moses was monumental to Josh. But notice Moses was being mourned. Notice the people, the Bible says, the people mourned his passing for 30 days. Look at verse 8 and 9, if you would. And the Bible says, the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. I can imagine there that the people of God were sensing that the great leader was gone. And he was, and they, they, there was sorrow. And they took time from their journeyings for 30 days. They just stopped where they were at. And they mourned his loss. You know, when we do funerals and services... We kind of, because of our sketching in the Western world, we just kind of push things along and move things along. And, and the bereavement seems to be so short compared to those days. But in those days, they stopped everything they did. And for a minimum of 30 days, they wept and cried over the loss of that loved one there. And that's what they did there. They were mourning his loss. But notice Moses was not only monumental. And Moses was not only being mourned. But you notice Moses was missed. I mean, his seat was empty. He would no longer be there. He would not rise up to speak. And of course, though, years before, God told them that to get 
Joshua prepared and ready for to be the successor. The people were feeling the loss. I mean, for 40 years, there were men like Caleb and Joshua and those who were born in the wilderness who experienced Moses' life. And you'll notice in Deuteronomy 34 and the book of Deuteronomy, all of Deuteronomy is a series of sermons that was given to Moses to give to Israel to prepare them for that next phase. And now they're missing him. They're missing his voice. They're missing his presence. They're missing his words of wisdom. They're missing him standing among among the people and judging them on a day-to-day basis. I mean, they miss the presence of this man. His leadership was greatly missed. But notice something else here. Moses was not only monumental. Moses was not only mourned. Moses was not only missed. But notice, Moses is a message. He's a reminder to us that none of us have a long-term lease in this life. It's a reminder to us that it is appointed to men once to die. And after this is the judgment. Thank God for people who have great influence on our lives. And thank God today for people who, who have just an importance in our lives. But we have to come to reality. They're not going to be here forever. And you and I are not going to be here forever. And the Bible says it's appointed to men once to die. That day's coming. There's appointment day on God's calendar. Only God knows that day when our life will end here. And the question you must ask today is if when your day comes, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? Do you know for sure eternity is your home? And I want to tell you today when that day comes, came for Moses. Everyone knew that he was in heaven, but they missed him. But his life is a message, a reminder to us, we need to make the most of our lives. We must make sure that our lives are not wasted away and frittered away and we waste our time and we get to 65 and 70 and 75 and 80 and we look back at our life and we look at all the toys we've accumulated, but then we look at eternity and say, what little I did for Jesus Christ. Let me remind you today, we've got to look at life not from from an earthly perspective, but we must look at life from an eternal perspective. What are you setting ahead to heaven for when you get to eternity? Because that's where you, will, you and I will spend all of our lives when we leave this life here. We see this man, his life is a message here. And I wonder today, have you thought about the question, if you were to leave this life today, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Can you point to a time and place where you call on the Lord to save you? I wonder how many of us as Christians, we've just kind of been like kind of on up on a teeter-totter, and we're going one way, then the other. I wonder how many of us have considered our life and wonder, what am I doing with my life, and what's going to count for Jesus Christ? Oh, we see this morning Moses in a sorrowful bereavement. But notice something else this morning. We see Moses in a simple beginning. We see Moses in a sorrowful bereavement. But consider where Moses, now Joshua's at. We're back on Joshua here. Joshua, like the rest of Israel, is feeling the sorrow. And the heartache. And the the mourning the loss. And Joshua's a man where he feels like the weight of the entire nation. The weight of three million people has now been thrust upon his shoulders. Because we see here in verses 1 to 4, the calling of God upon Joshua. Joshua now, at the age of 80, 85, is to assume some great responsibilities the biggest responsibilities he would ever face, the biggest challenges. He didn't know exactly how he was going to get it done. He didn't know exactly how it could happen. He was wondering how this would all occur. And you notice in verses 1 to 4, we see Joshua and a sovereign beckoning of God. Would you notice the scriptures this morning, what God says to him? Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, by saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, now, therefore, arise, 
Go over this Jordan River, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the place of Israel. Moses is gone. His leadership is no longer there. And now the baton and leadership is in pass to Joshua. Joshua now is in charge of three million plus people. Joshua now is at the center of attention. Joshua now is to be the leader, the God-appointed leader. He has the call of the Lord upon his life. And we're going to see this morning that God, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. It was a distinct calling he gave him. It was the divine calling he gave him. It was a dynamic calling that God gave him. It was a calling of God. Let me remind you this morning that God has a calling for every single one of us. A calling to fulfill in his base, in his basic baseline. That calling might be, if you're married, to be a godly husband and a godly wife. If you have children on the baseline, that calling might be to be a godly mother and a godly Father, it is to realize that God has a calling upon your life to fulfill. And I want you to see some things about this, because as he speaks to Josh in verse two, he tells him to do something Moses did not do. He told him, you're going to go over the Jordan River. Nobody had ever crossed the Jordan River. And at that time, as we get to Josh one, it was harvest time and the waters of the Jordan were overflowing the banks and the waters were still melting off the off the snow. The snow caps were melting in the mountain and rushing down those mountainsides into the waters. And it was a Nobody ever thought or dared to cross the Jordan River when, when the water was overflowing during harvest time. So Joshua's feeling right now, Lord, what do you want me to do? He's facing the biggest challenge of his life. He's facing the calling of God in his life. May I remind you this morning, a calling of God is when God has selected you to perform a specific service or specific role to accomplish his purpose in the lives of other people. It's when God has selected you to perform a specific service or to perform a role, fill a role, to accomplish something special in the lives of other people. A calling is a leadership appointment. A calling is a mission that must be fulfilled. Notice some things that help us to understand this calling that God gave to this man by the name of Joshua. First of all, notice in chapter Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, we see something very interesting. That the calling of God represents the Lord's anointing. Go back with Deuteronomy 34 and verse 9, one chapter over. And notice what the Bible tells us about Joshua. And Joshua, the son of Nun, notice this, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him as did the Lord, as the Lord had commanded him. He had the Lord's anointing. He had the Lord's approval. Notice in this anointing of God upon his life, God publicly said, through Moses, Joshua is to be the successor. Joshua has my blessing. Joshua will be given the gifts essential for his calling. Notice the Bible says he was filled with the spirit of wisdom. The wisdom for leading the people of God. As God selects, as God moves, God prepares his man for the work he's called him to. And notice it says Moses laid his hands on him. That was done publicly. When Moses placed his hands on him, it symbolic represented that he had God's approval as well as Moses' approval before the people. And then notice something else here. We read in verse 9 that the children of Israel hearkened to him as did the Lord heart as the people as the Lord commanded Moses. The people approved Joshua as their leader. They recognized that Moses had passed off was about to pass off the scene and they recognized Joshua was to be the man that would succeed him. In Deuteronomy 138 we read this and Joshua the son of Nun which standeth before thee he shall go in in thither encourage him for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. 
remind you this morning, the anointing of God is something very special. The anointing of God, when the Spirit of God fills a man in such a way and gives him wisdom and discernment and leadership and understanding to do the work of the Lord. Here's what Isaiah has to say about it. Isaiah said in Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord God has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison doors to them that are bound. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Listen, Joshua was his servant, but now he would be elevated to be a superintendent. Joshua was once someone was a layman following his leader. Now Joshua is a man who's appointed to a capacity where he's to provide leadership to all of the people. He has the Lord's anointing. He has the touch of God upon his life. God was going to use him. I wonder if I'm speaking to a man this morning who is saved, who's been baptized, who's a member of this church, who loves the Lord and serving God. I wonder, dear man, if you sense this morning that God has put his anointing on your life, that God has touched you to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God has touched you to be a missionary, that as he did with Jeremiah the prophet, to be a prophet unto the nations, to take the word of God and to be used for his glory, to identify and know that the gifts and calling of God or without repentance. I wonder if some man today would recognize that the calling of God in your life is unique for this generation. And the calling of God is unique for a people group. And the calling of God is unique to a country. And the calling of God is a commission to be fulfilled. I wonder if there's some man this morning in this room where there's a burning in your heart, a desire in your soul to preach the word of God. You wake up in the mornings and there's a preach in your heart. And you go to bed at night and there's a preach in your heart. And the word of God is on your tongue. And you can't wait to speak a word for God. You can't wait to get the message off your heart. I wonder, dear man, if that pressure, if that calling of God is upon your life today, that you recognize that the Lord's anointing might be on your life to serve Him as a preacher of the gospel. We see the Lord in His anointing. But notice something else about this beckoning. Notice it was a calling to be the leader of the assembly. Notice in verse 2, he said this, he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them. Even to the place, the children of Israel, God called him to lead the people. Now, there were a lot of leaders inside of Israel. But God's unique calling was on Joshua. He said, Joshua, you're to lead this assembly. And when we read over in Deuteronomy 34, 9, the people, when he was identified publicly with the laying on of hands, the people identified, says, yes, we will submit to that leadership of Joshua. May I suggest to you this morning that Jesus Christ is the sovereign of this church. He's the king of this church. He's the Lord of the church. And he calls upon each one of us to be in submission to him as God leads us along to serve him and honor him in this community. Leadership of the assembly. But notice something else in verses 3 and 4. The sovereign beckoning was for a land acquisition. When God gives a beckoning and calling. It's to fulfill a role in a specific group of people. It's to fulfill something of great responsibility. And what you notice in verses 3 and 4, he said, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you as I sent unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea towards the going down the sun, shall be your coast. God was saying, okay, the time's come. We've been talking about it for many years. It's happening now. 
It's just not, it's not a dream anymore. It's, it's going to become a reality. He says that land of promise that I spoke to Abraham about 440 years before, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And he says, you're going to get your inheritance. You're going to get a sizable inheritance. You're going to get a land inheritance. You're going to claim cities and with these cities, riches. And you're going to establish, you're going to establish yourself as a people, the inheritance of the people of God. He says, Joshua, that wasn't, my will was not for Moses to take them there. He says, my will is for you to take them there. Your first thing you're going to do is you're going to cross that Jordan River. And as you cross the Jordan River, you're going to conquer one city after another city after another city. And you're going to conquer 30 plus cities until they're all conquered and that everyone gets their inheritance there. And it was a sizable inheritance that God wanted them to have. It was a spiritual inheritance. It reminds me of Psalms 37, 23, as I said earlier, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighted in his way. And I like what it says in verse three, every place that the sole of your foot should tread upon that have I given to you. And you notice the description there in verse four, he describes from east to west and north to south and south to north and west to east. He describes for them the sizable inheritance. He talks about the coastline by all the way to the Mediterranean Sea going if you went northeastwards all the way to the Euphrates River which is now modern day Iraq telling him this is how extensive the land is this is extensive the claim you're going to have it's all yours it's yours for the taking but you've got to lead the people into possessing it it was a land acquisition let me remind you today when your pastor gets up to preach God's word and we open God's word on a Sunday morning and we open God's word on a Sunday night and we open God's word on a Wednesday night Bible study and we have other times during the week when the word of God's being opened you know what we're trying to do we're trying to help you as a child of God to claim the inheritance that God has for you. God wants you to go forward in the Christian life. God doesn't want you to stand here and just be stagnant and nothing happening. God wants you, like he said for Joshua, that every place that the sole of your foot should tread upon, that have I given you. God wants you to take some steps forward in the Christian life. God wants you and I to take some steps of faith forward. And God wants you and I to take some steps of obedience forward. He wants us to go forward and take those steps of faith and watch what God is able to do in your life and mine. I'm telling you this morning, you're missing a lot of blessings if you're not going forward for Jesus Christ. You're missing a lot of blessings if you're not learning how to pray and get answers to prayer. You're missing a lot of blessings if you're not claiming the promises of God and seeing what God is able to do. You're missing a lot of things if you haven't learned how to grasp Ephesians 3.20, where it says, Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is a great God. And Jesus wants to work in your life. And Jesus wants to be mighty in your life. And Jesus wants to experience the power of prayer. And Jesus Jesus wants to experience the power of the Spirit. And Jesus wants you to go forward for His glory that you might conquer some things for Him. Joshua saying, man, Lord, this is big. This is way over my head. Lord, for 40 years I've been the minister of Moses. I'm, I'm kind of happy just doing that, Lord. You know, sometimes, as I said on Wednesday night, we can get into a chopping mode. We just get to where we, we know what we're doing. We've got it down. We have it down so well. And every now and then God has to put some things in our life to kind of disrupt things. Where the predictability is removed and we've got to exercise some faith. And realize that it's scary to exercise faith. And it's scary to recognize that, that, that you know, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do even for the very next step. And to trust in God for that. And that's where Joshua's at right now. Joshua had heard all the words. I mean, all the things he was supposed to do from the beginning, from Exodus 17. God told Moses, write it down as a memorial for him. And now everything that was written down, he's thinking, man, there's a lot of stuff for 40 years Moses written down. I don't think I can achieve it. I don't think I can get it done. Maybe you feel like, wait, wait. You feel like, well, I can't speak. I'm just like a little child. 
Oh, I don't have that kind of ability. I, I, I don't like people. And I, I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. And that's where Josh was at. Josh is feeling the pressure there in verses 1 to 4 of the sovereign beckoning of God. He's thinking, it's way over my head. Hey, listen, that's a good feeling to have. When we get to the place where God gives us an opportunity to challenge and we feel like we're over our head, that's where God comes in. We get to trust God for it. Amen. So what you notice, number four, Joshua has a substantial backing. He's feeling way over his head. He's feeling the challenges of life. Joshua needs encouragement. Hey, how many of you this morning, don't raise your hand. How many feel like this morning you need some encouragement? Amen. How many feel like you need a good word today? Amen. How many feel like today you want somebody to just, just love on you for a minute, just give you hugs and man, just have a good day. Amen. And Joshua's at this place. Listen, I want you to think what's going on. His, his mentors died. In fact, he died and they don't even know where his body is because God took the body of Moses and hid it up there in the mountains of Moab that nobody's found his body yet. We don't worry about his body because he went to heaven to be with the Lord anyway. Amen. You know? His best, his best friend, his mentor is gone and he's left and he's looking at these people and Joshua remembers the last 40 years. He's thinking, Lord, I don't really know if I really want to be the leader of this people. They have a tendency to murmur and complain a lot. They have a tendency to backbite a lot and they have a tendency to complain a lot. They're Jews. They like to complain. Amen. You know? And he's saying, Lord, I'm not really sure what to do that. I know these people. And, and he says, Lord, if I had my way, I'm a soldier, man. Soldiers like to just take them out. Amen. You know, and he's saying, I'm not sure, Lord, this really I want to do this. And, and he's feeling the pressure and he's feeling this, this, this awful sense of like, man, Lord, I can't even sleep tonight. My, my, my palms are sweaty. I, I don't know how I'm going to meet this challenge, Lord. But I want to tell you, when we're over our heads and we have a challenge that's bigger than this, aren't you glad today God gives you me encouragement? God comes alongside of him and he gives him a substantial backing. He's going to help Josh and understand what do you do when you feel inadequate? What do you do when you feel like you're way over your head? What do you feel? What, what do you do when you feel like the job description is bigger than you? What do you feel like you don't have the people skills to match up with what you're about to deal with there? I mean, everything that Josh had to do, he did not feel he had any of the gifts or qualities to meet any of that. And listen, God gave him encouragement. God is going to tell him some things. And I'm going to tell you this morning, God, what God told Moses and he told Joshua, God tells you and me. What encouragement he gave to him, he gives to you and I. This backing God gives us, this encouragement gives us, is so that we can walk by faith and say, I believe everything that God told me to do and I'm just going to go out and get it done because God said he'll help me with that. Amen. Notice three things he tells him here in the substantial backing. First of all, he tells him verses 6, 7, and 9, Joshua, have courage. Biggest thing we need is courage. I've told the story many times when I was a little kid growing up, just like little kids. I was scared of this, scared of that. I, you know, I just had all these, I just had these insecurities as a little kid growing up. And I remember my father bought me this little book called Frady Cat. And Freddy Cat was about a little kid, a little cat that was afraid of everything. I mean, just everything got fearful. And then his mother said, well, you need to go see Dr. Owl and Dr. Owl will help you. And he made his way there and he's scared of everything. And, and he got there and Dr. Owl said, I'll tell you what your problem is. He says, you need a new heart. You need to get a brave heart. And he pinned a heart on him. He says, just remember, that's a heart of courage. And it got him to believe that. And he turned from being a very Freddy cat to being a courageous cat. And remind you today, we're not Freddy cats in the sense that we're going to go to a Dr. Owl who's going to pin a heart on us. But we need to go to Dr. Jesus. That's Dr. Jesus to help us get overcome that. Amen. And you notice here, he comes to him and he says in verse six, the very first thing he says, he says he knows what's going on in his heart. He knows that he feels like, I'm not sure I can do it. He knows he feels like this challenge is wherever his head. And the very first thing God says in verse six, he says, be strong and of good courage. Now, I'm going to talk to the men for a minute. Men. If God is working your heart, he's called you to be a preacher. May I suggest you this morning, be strong and of a good courage. 
Man, can I tell you today, as a church, man, I need men to rise up. We're, we're in our Easter campaign. It was exciting yesterday as we had folks all over the Bay Area passing up flyers. And if you've seen our Easter flyers, it's kind of a pastel color. And as I was going by places and getting, getting pictures and videos from people, it was kind of neat to see streets and, and sidewalks filled with stores where the pastel colors of the, of the flyers are being left at people's homes and people being engaged with and encouraged to come to the Easter musical. And I'm just saying today, men, don't wait for your wife to volunteer. Men, you rise up and you give God an hour and you give the church an hour and say, listen, I'll, I'll get involved and let's help get 25,000 flyers on. Let everybody know about the Easter musical so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Then in verse seven, he said, only be thou strong and very courageous. In the verse 9, he says, have not a command of thee, be strong and of a good courage. Why did he say that? Because he knew he wasn't strong. He knew he didn't have good courage. He's not talking about bravado courage. He's not talking about gangster courage. Amen. He's not talking about militia courage. He's about the courage to accept your responsibility. Please listen to me this morning. Life can be tough. Your marriage can get tough. Man, you'll get upset with your wife, and wives, you get upset with your husbands. Raising kids can be tough. Trying to find that balance of being disciplined, not too hard. Your job can be tough. For many people in this room, you hit that midlife crisis area, you get past 40, you realize your company looks at you and they say, well, we look at what we're paying you to do and we can hire a guy half your age to do the same thing at half the cost. Job security's gone. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know what I'm talking about there. And there are things that go on in our lives that affect our morale, that make us tentative. They make a second guess things. Your wife gets diagnosed with cancer. Your husband gets diagnosed with cancer. A new long-term illness comes in. And the doctor takes a long time before they come to a recognition. And then they find out they're wrong about that. And there's all these setbacks that go in your life. And you know, over time, what happens is we become scared. We get weak. We become cynical. We start to doubt God. And listen, at those moments of time, we need to listen to the still, small voice of God. When he says, be strong and have a good courage. You might get pushback, but be strong and have a good courage. You're going to face some new giants, but be strong and have a good courage. You might get thrown into a fiery furnace, but be strong and have a good courage, he says there. Be a courageous servant. Be a courageous soldier. Be a courageous father and mother. Be courageous in your marriage. Be a courageous student. Be a courageous believer when in a hostile work site. Be courageous and strongest. I'm just saying this morning, the very first thing he said to Joshua there is have courage. And I say, Heritage Baptist Church, let's have some courage in the Lord this morning. Amen. The second thing he told him, he said, watch this. Number one, he said, have courage. Number two, in this backing, he's courage. He says, have confidence. Have faith. Not faith in yourself, faith in God. Notice verse six and nine again. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers again. You know what he's saying there? Joshua, you're going to lead them into the land. Here's the plan. You're going to lead them to the land, and you're going to divide the inheritance. That's what the book of Joshua is about. 
You get about chapters 13, 14, and to about, I don't know, about chapter 21, he's dividing the inheritance. They acquire all these cities, and one of the chapters tells us all the cities, they acquire over 30 cities, and they start divvying up the inheritance. He says, you need to have confidence. And notice he says here in verse 6, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And then he said in verse 9, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now watch this. He's saying, have confidence, because God is with you in the midst of all this. God's presence is with you. God's power is with you. God's understanding is with you. God's wisdom is with you. Have faith in God. Have confidence that God is with you all the way through all this situation. May I encourage you this morning, God is for you. May I encourage you this morning, God is with you. Have faith in the power of prayer. Have faith in the promises of God. Have faith in the mission of the church. Have faith in what God has called you. Have confidence in the Lord. He said, listen, Joshua, I know you feel like you wonder if anybody's with you. You don't have to worry about if anybody's with you, which you just need to be focused on. I'm with you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Aren't you glad about that this morning, man? When David Livingston accepted the call of God to be the very first white missionary, and go into the Congo in the 1800s. No one had ever gone there before. He made that decision as a little boy, the only one who walked forward in the invitation of a, at the invitation of a service. Robert Moffat had gotten up and preached, and he preached to a small congregation. Only one person went forward was David Livingston. And he felt like he was a failure until he realized many years later that David Livingston, as a little boy, kept to what that calling of God was. The day came, he said goodbye to everything he owned in England. He set for sale for a month or two and made his way down to Africa. And listen, he carried all these books and all these supplies. He walked all the way through. He didn't have a four by four. He didn't have an SUV. He didn't have a horse and buggy. He didn't have any of that. He went on his own two feet. He walked to that area to where he knew exactly where God was going to lead him. All along the way, David Livingston, as he read his Bible on a daily basis, was asking for a word for God. God led him to Matthew 28, verse 20. Matthew twenty twenty, Jesus, he, got, he caught the promise of Jesus where Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He said, Lord, I don't know if anybody else has been here, but I feel like I'm at the end of the world. Amen. And he said, Thank you, God, that you've been with me. And he taught those people that he led to Christ, or pagan people, in villages that got transformed. He taught them, you can have confidence in God. Brother and sister in Christ, it's easy to have confidence in our cell phones. And it's easy to have confidence in our, in, in, in our savings accounts. It's easy to have confidence in other people. But listen, there comes a time when everything in our life kind of revolves around one thing. We must have confidence in the Lord. He said, have courage. You have confidence. But notice verse 5. In this backing, he tells him this. He says, you need to be a conqueror. This is important because Joshua was not feeling up to the challenge. <coughs> In verse 5, he says, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Now, Joshua didn't recognize how big that promise was until he started conquering. But you think about it, he says, there is no city, no nation you're going to be in confrontation with that will be able to stand up before you're going to defeat everyone. And he did. He says, this would be only relevant to the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. He said, you've got to be a conqueror. He said, listen, Joshua, you're on the winning side. Joshua, you're inconquerable. Joshua, you're the man. He said, Joshua, you're going to get it done. He said, he said in verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you. He said, you have my, you have my assurance about that. And listen, this morning as we kind of go forward for God, listen, you can be a soul winner for Jesus Christ. 
And you can see answers to prayer. And listen, you can travel on your knees as he was to travel on his feet. And as you travel on your knees in prayer, begging and asking God to do some great mighty things. Listen today, God will get you to where you could not get to on your own. And God will accomplish what you and I could not do on our own. Listen, you can get it done. Sunday school teachers, we can fill an adult growth group. God gives Joshua a substantial backing. He gives him an encouragement, a word from heaven, a word from God. And this morning, God gives you and me a word from God. You can have confidence and you can have courage and you can be a conqueror. One last thing we're done this morning. Here's this man, Joshua. We see simple beginnings. Here's this man, Joshua. We see sorrowful bereavement. Here's this man, Joshua. We see a sovereign beckoning, the call of God brought out in these verses. We see Josh, we see a substantial backing, we see with that calling, God gives him the encouragement, the equipping he needs. And as we close this morning, would you notice God gives him some stipulated blessings? Because where you find the gifts and callings of God, watch how God announces to us where the blessings come from. And they're not in the sense of material blessings per se, because everyone looking for, they're looking for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It doesn't work that way. But he's going to help him to summarize everything that Moses gave as sermons in Deuteronomy, through all the book of Deuteronomy, to help Joshua understand. Let me help you understand, there are blessings to claim, and blessings that will flow, but they're stipulated on one thing. And notice we find these stipulated blessings in verses 7 and 8, which you notice very quickly what they are. First of all, in verse 7, there had to be the submission on the part of Joshua. He had to demonstrate uninhibited, unrestrained submission. Listen to what he says here. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Another is telling him, listen, I'm going to give you the book, but you've got to obey the book. You've got to obey God's method and way. He says, only be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper with us over the goest. He's saying here, listen, you must have faith in God's word. But as you have faith in God's word, you must submit yourself to God's word. Realize that God will guide you by his word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy, the entrance of thy word giveth light, the Bible says. Listen today, you can trust God's word. It's not archaic and our old archaic book that's full of poetry and sayings and parables that have no meaning. I want to tell you, the word of God is living, it's quick and it's powerful. And God works in our hearts and he guides our steps. We need to pray as the psalmist prayed, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Open thou my eyes, I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I understand today, we can trust God's word, but we must obey God's word here. You know what the temptation is? Well, my brother told me this. And my parents told me this. And I, and I thought I would, I, I, I would typed into Wikipedia, and Wikipedia tells me to do this. He says, turn out to thy right hand or to thy left. But observe everything the Word of God says. You say, well, I'm not really sure. Well, have you tried God's Word? And I'd encourage you this morning, just get in God's Word, Amen. And follow God's word. Jesus prayed for his disciples. Sanctify them through thy truth. He says thy word is truth. Hey, submit yourself to God's word. Say, God, show me from your word what to do. I say this all the time. We only need enough light for the very next step. God guides you and me step by step. He said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way in which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. He tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5, 6, and 7, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not into thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. We must be 
submit it to the word of God. Because where that submission, that obedience is, notice he says, that thou mayest prosper with the sword of the good. God's not going to bless us and then we obey. We must obey and then God blesses. Amen? But notice not only the submission, but notice verse 8, there must be a saturation. An unrestricted saturation. He says, look, Joshua, this book of the law, that's the summation of everything that God had led Moses to write up at that moment in time. He didn't have the completed word of God, but what he had was complete for that time. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth. He says, you're going to be asking, what am I supposed to tell the people? Here's what you're going to tell the people. Just read in the word of God. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate there in day and night. He says, listen, Joshua, just as Moses was a man that immersed himself in the word. Joshua, you've got to be a leader that immerses yourself in the word. You've got to meditate on it. Now, meditating doesn't mean we read and then we run. It means we read and we read and we ruminate and we read and we ruminate and we read and we think about it and we think about it and we think about it and we let the word of God go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit further until it kind of makes sense to us and kind of works in our heart. If you want to understand the word of God, you just can't read it like you read a novel. You've got to read it because it's the word of God and let God's word work in your heart. Amen. But thou shalt meditate there and notice day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all this written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosper and then thou shalt have good success. You know what he's telling him? He said, listen, Joshua, if you want to be successful, you've got to saturate your life with the word of God. Listen to what the Bible says about that. In Psalms 1, 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalm 63, 6, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. In Psalms 119, verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Psalms 119, verse 48, my hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Listen, we need to read the word of God, but more emphasis placed in the word upon meditation than there is on reading. Because with the reading, there must be meditation. You've got to stop and let God speak to you. And hence, the difference between a status quo life and a successful life is Measured by our saturation with God's word. And the difference between a failing life and a successful life is if we're meditating on God's word, letting us saturate us. One, nine verses. God gives Joshua the recipe for success. He says, listen, you're 80 years old, but I'm not done with you yet. You're 80 years old and here's the the biggest challenge of your life. And he says, I'm going to give you everything you need for that challenge. Just have courage. Have confidence. Be a conqueror. Saturate your life with the word of God. Obey God's word. He says, just stay with it. And listen, thou shalt make thy way prosperous and you shall find good success. As we close this morning, I'm reminded of a man thousands of years later. Man through whom all the Bible's about, who's recorded for us in the New Testament. Man by the name of Jesus Christ, who's the Son of God, who became the Son of Man. And a job description in order much bigger than that given to Joshua. Joshua's command was to get to, to conquer the land. But Jesus was called upon to have a crucified life. Jesus was called upon to leave the glories of heaven, to retain his sinless, his sinless, uh, 
His, his sinlessness that he had and to come to earth to take upon sin for you and I. Jesus came on the biggest challenge that could ever be offered to be ever given to any man. And that was to come to die for the life of every sinner. And he went about doing good through all of his life. And he came and he came to die for your sins and mine. The just for the unjust, the sinless one for the sinner, the innocent for the fallen. He came to die for your sins and mine. And the biggest challenge of all that was Christ died for our sins. But praise the Lord, he rose again from the dead and give, rised him for the dead. He conquered sin, death, and Satan. And I tell you this morning, as Jesus took on that challenge, He offers to every single person in this room the free gift of eternal life through Him. He offers to you the opportunity of having that certainty today that if this was your last day on earth, you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. Jesus completed and fulfilled all the will of God. He conquered those things. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He conquered Satan. As we look at Joshua, Joshua conquered land. God, Joshua conquered the enemies, but Jesus conquered the enemies that are most substantial, the enemies of death and sin and Satan. And Christ, who is Jesus, his name meaning Jehovah's salvation, offers the gift of eternal life to every person who calls on him to be their savior. This morning, I'm not asking you to accept a Joshua. I'm calling you this morning to accept Jesus who died for your sins. A Christ who loves you and gave himself for you. In a moment, we're going to give invitation. I wonder how many this morning in your heart you could say, man, I, I needed that today because I got some big challenges and I need some courage. And I've got some big challenges and I need greater faith. And God's placed before me. I know exactly where I'm at is where God wants to be. And instead of being status quo, I've got to conquer some things and realize that the promise that he gave to Josh applies to me. There shall no man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. I wonder how many of us this morning could feel like, you know, I feel like a little, I've been very small in my, con, my comprehension of God's word. And I need to get to the place where, like Joshua, he said, Joshua, you need to meditate in God's word day and night. Hey, if nothing else this morning, a whole lot of us today need to just decide, I'm going to be in God's word day and night. Let God's word saturate my heart and work in my soul and fill up my life. And then some of us this morning, you're not sure you're saved, we're going to give invitation. And God in his love invites you today to call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How many this morning would say, Pastor Fong, I feel like I have some big challenges in my life right now. And I need faith. And I need courage. I want to be a conqueror. Would you pray for me this morning that I'd accept those recipes for success? Pray for me today. You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. God spoke to me. I want to accept those challenges. How many would raise your hand and say, pray for me this morning? They'd be a conqueror in those. And God bless you. Who else this morning? God's spoken in my heart today. And how many of you this morning, you put your hands up. How many would say today, I'm not, a, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure that my sins are forgiven, but I want God's son, Jesus Christ, as my savior. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to know for sure how to be saved. Anyone like that today? You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be sure I'm saved. Anyone like that today? Any man, woman, or boy, or girl, you'd say today, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to know for sure. Father in heaven, we commit to this invitation time. Please, Lord, as you've spoken now in a very tender way, may the Spirit of God move us and compel us and help us today, even as you did with Joshua, to be encouraged today that there's a path we can follow. There's a power that we can claim. There, Lord, that we can, we can have our lives on the right track. Many today, Lord, perhaps are facing challenges or will face challenges that are bigger than them. It might be a health challenge. 
might be a financial challenge, might be a family challenge. But whoever it may be this morning, Father, we call upon you today for your goodness and grace to work in every heart. Please, today, some may not be saved today. Before they leave this morning, I pray they would open their heart and call on Jesus to be their Savior. Your heads bowed and eyes closed. I still feel like this morning there might be somebody here today. You're not sure you're going to heaven. Don't leave and say, well, I'll put it off for another time. This morning, we invite you today to receive God's gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. You can simply pray and call on the Lord where you're at and tell the Lord you repent of your sins and call him to be your savior. And I'll ask again, is there somebody here today that'll say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved and going to heaven, but I want to know for sure, would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Is there a man or woman, boy or girl, you say, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I want to know for sure. I need to know for sure. Now, fathers, we give the invitation. Please help your people just to be obey the leading of the Lord. I pray for obedience. I pray for people that have a heart for God, a desire for God's word to work in their hearts. Have your way in our lives, we pray this morning. As we give the invitation, help us to obey you. We pray for this now, Lord, of you in Jesus' name. Let's stand, your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to come this morning, we invite you to come. Maybe you might take someone by next to you and say, would you go with me? I know the Lord's speaking in my heart. I need to go. I need to spend some time in prayer. Would you come this morning? Is there an issue with obedience? Are you faithful in reading God's word? This is a good time to just say, God, I'm going to make it right. You'll do it this morning. Would you do that today? The Lord's speaking to you this morning. The altar invitation time is very simply just to come and have prayer. Let the Lord spoken to you. Maybe there's a decision you've made along the way. Make that decision firm and permanent and real with the Lord today. Would you do that today? We'll sing another stanza. We'll wait. The Lord's waiting. Would you come? If you're not sure you're saved, we invite you today. Come to Christ. Don't wait. Don't wait. Fathers, we consider the song, Jesus, I Come. Lord, thank you. You come to us at our most difficult moment, our darkest hours, our most difficult times. And Father, I pray that through this service that you've made yourself real. Give us courage. Give us confidence. Help us to be conquerors. Thank you for loving us. Lord, help us to consecrate today because this is the Lord's day. Not to waste our opportunities, but use them for the glory of God. Thank you today for meeting with us and feeding our souls. We thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.